Amen. All right, children, you are dismissed to go to Sunday school and downstairs to have fun and don't listen, have to listen to boring old me. Everybody else is stuck, so sorry, but just kidding. My wife says, you're only funny when you don't try to be. I got to stick with that advice. All right. Well, it is Palm Sunday, but we're going to go ahead and continue to, we're actually going to finish our uh, series in Galatians this, this week. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians chapter 6 with me. And we're going to be in verses 1 through 10. 1 through 10. Um, it is Palm Sunday. In the last two years, I've preached about Palm Sunday. But it's ultimately about, right, the people's attitudes and expectations. Uh, on Palm Sunday, they were saying Hosanna in the highest, as Jim pointed out. Um, save us. And then just a few days later, right, they were yelling, crucify him. And so the application for us, what we can take from Galatians chapter 6 as we approach Palm Sunday, is our attitudes, our actions, and our behaviors. What are we, how are we going to carry ourselves? What are we going to fix our minds on uh, during this week and hopefully throughout the, the, throughout the year? And so I think it's uh, applicable that we... We see what Paul finishes off here is he's, he's just told us in Galatians chapter 5 of what it means to have, uh, to, to have the fruit of the Spirit versus the fruit of the flesh or the, 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 out, the outflowing of our sinful nature uh, versus what we have been given for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, the indwelling Spirit of God, God the Spirit, the third person of our triune God dwells within our hearts. That is a huge, huge gift given to everyone who has encountered Jesus in a saving way, has seen their need to, to, to turn from religion or any other self-righteousness um, or just even denial of, of God and his existence and receive Jesus as their Savior and believe that his accomplished work on the cross was sufficient, sufficient for your sin debt because we've all committed sin. We all stand separated and uh, under righteous, righteous judgment of God. And Jesus went to the cross, not as plan B, but as the means in which God has made a way for us to, to, to have our sin forgiven because Jesus paid the penalty for us. He went to the cross and paid the sin penalty that you and I deserve. God remains just because he did punish. He doesn't just wink at our sin. He punished Jesus in our place so that we might have his righteousness. That is the good news. We were born separated from God in a, with a sinful condition, but there's good news. Jesus died for each and every one of you some 2,000 years ago. And he extends salvation to you as a gift. He doesn't say, earn it. He says, I've purchased it. It came at a cost, but it's not your cost. It's the cost of my son and his death. And all we must do is receive that. Believe it. Trust it. And walk in that. The, the, the miraculous thing that happens as we 
encounter Jesus in that saving way is the scriptures declare that we are given the Spirit of God. It's our down payment of the eternal inheritance that we are promised in Jesus. He is, as in Galatians, Paul's made just a wonderful argument. He is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. His seed, Abraham's seed, was Jesus. And he is the recipient of the Abrahamic promise and all those who are in Christ who believed and trusted in Jesus and his accomplished work are placed into the body of Christ. We are fellow recipients of the promise because we're in Christ and we're given, as Paul declares in Ephesians and other places, the Spirit of God. Jesus says, said in John 15 and 14, 14 and 15, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send the Comforter. He will not only be here, but he will be in you, was his promise. And all of us who know and have encountered Christ in a saving way have been given that wonderful gift of the Spirit who desires to do a work within us. He loves us too much to just leave us where we're at. The Spirit of God desires to transform us from the inside out as we learn to walk in the Spirit, to walk in step with the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. All these different things that Scripture, New Testament Scripture has called us to do. As we learn to do that more and more, we begin to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things that we've already reviewed. Those are ours. And as we learn to walk in the Spirit, our old self, that sinful nature that we were born with, begins to die off. And that's the New Testament call. To put off the old man. To put off the old person. And put on the new. So yes, God is doing a transforming work from the inside out. It is God doing the work. But it's not entirely just let go and let God. We have to purpose to live this out. That is the call of the New Testament. And Paul is demonstrating to us. Remember what he said? He said, what matters is this. It's not circumcision. It's not uncircumcision. What matters is this, is your faith working through love, that your faith is an act of faith, and that faith is demonstrated most prominently through love, not a feeling, but through sacrificial serving of others, putting others before your own needs. That's what's most important. And he goes on to demonstrate to us what that looks like as we yield to the Spirit of God who dwells within us. As we examine our lives, as we talked about last week, and we, we see that outburst of anger, that fruit of the flesh that he mentions that I'm so prominent to have still after all these years. An outburst of anger. And I have the wisdom to look at that and say, that is my flesh doing that. That means the spirit is not in control right now. I have to, just as I did the the day that I received Jesus, I have to turn. I have to have a change of mind. I need to call out to the spirit of God and say, help me. I yield to you. I give it back to you. Because right now I'm acting on my flesh. All these different things that we see Drunkenness, these are all fruits of a spirit within us that is broken. These are things that we need to, as those of us who struggle with certain, these certain things, need to, to walk day by day. Putting off those things. But we can't just stop 
if abusing alcohol is the problem that you continually struggle with, you can't just stop drinking. That's, that's pharisaical. That's what Pharisees did. They identified themselves by what they didn't do. No. Yeah, you put that off, but you put on the new man. You put on Jesus. You walk in the Spirit. You yield to Him day in and day out. And so we find ourselves here, Paul's closing up his letter, and he's giving us some more instruction this morning in Galatians 6, 1 through 10, about what it looks like to have our faith working through love. What does it look like to love your neighbor? Right? God calls us to do that, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus also calls us to love our enemy. What does that look like? And so he's given us some practical examples, some practical illustrations of how we can, starting today or tomorrow, when we go out into the workplace, how we can walk in the Spirit and what that is to look like. So let's go back, just back up to verse 25 of, of Galatians chapter 5 just to get some context of where we left off last week. If we live by the Spirit, I love the sound of babies, don't you? Ah, oh, sweet sound to my ears. Answer to prayer. Hmm. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep and step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So we are to walk by the Spirit. We are to live by the Spirit. We are to keep step in step with the Spirit. You see how that, that, that verbiage of let go and let God isn't entirely true? Yes, God is transforming you from the inside out. He's doing the work, but, but we have to cooperate with what the Spirit's doing. We have to purpose because if we know that if we just go adrift, our flesh is fed every day by this world. And that is what will rule us and, and live through us is our fleshly heart. So we have to purpose to do that. Live in the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Let us, become, let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. So more likely than not, this fruit of the Spirit is going to be demonstrated when we're interacting with one another. Verse number one in Galatians 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives themselves, himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Verse 6 says this, Let the one who is taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from his flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap and at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, we have opportunity, as we have opportunity, let us work 
for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Will you pray with me? Father God, we come before you. So thankful, Lord, that you've uh, provided this beautiful day for us, God. The sun is shining. It is warm. Uh, Father, we're, we're thankful for all those who have chosen to worship with us this, this morning. And God, I just ask your blessing upon them. And upon this time now, Lord, would your spirit uh, do a work within us, Lord. Father, will you truly meet and minister to each and every one through the comforter? Um, I don't know all the trials and things that everyone in this room is struggling with, Lord, but you do. And I just pray that you would work in them and through them. That this might be a time as we uh, delve a little deeper into your word, Lord, that, that they would draw close to you. That they would be reminded and refreshed of your love and your grace yet again. And Father, as we go into Passion Week, as we remember as this time as our Lord and Savior is going, heading to the cross, Lord, I pray that you help us keep what's truly important uh, in our minds and that we would live this out, these commands that you've called us to do, uh, not for our sakes, but for your glory. We ask these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we have here uh, just 10 verses that I'd kind of want to just kind of delve a little deeper into. We have a, a few things uh, that Paul is demonstrating in this. He's making this very practical. If you remember, the first four chapters of Galatians is, is a, like a lawyer, an argument, demonstrating to us why God had never intended to save a people through keeping the law. That it was always through the promise. And that even though God gave the law, it was not his intention to save people by the law, but yet to demonstrate to us just how sinful we truly are in the eyes of a holy God. That that was indeed his, if, his, his mark, his litmus test. If you want to be holy like God, if you want to have you dwell in his presence, this is the mark. This is the law. And then we see the devastating news that he who keeps the whole law yet offends in one point. He is guilty of it all because that is how holy our creator God, the sun that's out there, the sun, the bird, the, the stars, the, the, the mountains, everything that we enjoy, this creation that we enjoy was made by a God to demonstrate just how glorious he is. And he's revealed not only how powerful he is in creation, but he's also revealed how holy he is in his word. And Paul concludes the apostles of the New Testament conclude, the entire Bible concludes that we all fall short of the glory of God. We all have sinned and come short. But the good news is, God did not leave us to wander in our sin forever and eternally separated from him. He, the good news is that he sent his son through the promise of Abraham to fulfill the law perfectly that you and I cannot fulfill and why is Jesus so unique and special because he's not was not only a man but he was God in the flesh the second person of our triune God the virgin birth is so important because we see in the virgin birth that Jesus is unique and different than any of us because we all have the lineage of Adam and so therefore we are born separated from God Jesus' lineage comes from the Holy Spirit. He is God from heaven who took upon flesh to live the law that you and I could not live. 
He lived it perfectly so then he could then go as the spotless lamb of God to the cross to pay the penalty that you and I deserve for our sin. That's the good news. That is what Easter is so amazing about. Christmas, we celebrate his birth. Easter, we celebrate the fact that he not only went to the cross and paid for the sin, he rose three days later. And all those who are in Christ have the the blessing and the promise, the hope that just as Jesus raised from the dead, so will we. Eternally, together with our God, dwelling with our God. That is the hope of the Christian. That this life is not the end. We are just pilgrims if you're in Christ Jesus this morning, passing through. Our hope is to come. He is risen. And in that, we have hope if you're in Christ. The Spirit is given to us, desires to demonstrate this fruit that's found in Galatians chapter 5, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We all want those things. We all want that in our lives. The problem is the world says you need to find hope through what the world has to offer. You need to find love through what the world has to offer. And God says, no, the fruit, genuine fruit, comes through the indwelling Spirit of God and His ministry in your heart as you learn to walk and step with Him. And so we see here practically how it's to look in our lives, how we're supposed to treat one another. And the first point that Paul brings to us here in Galatians chapter 6 is that we are to bear one another's burdens. Verse 6 says this, Brothers and sisters, if, any, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you are, you who are spiritual, restore, uh, sorry, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. And he goes on in verse 2, carry one another's burdens. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? What did he say in the upper room? I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. After He says this right after he washed the disciples' feet. The lowliest thing, any person in the household, the, the slave with the lowest uh, value, that would be their job. The creator of the universe takes this opportunity to wash the disciples' feet and says, as I have loved you, love one another. Jesus didn't just wash feet. He demonstrated his love for us by going to the cross. He could have called down legions of angels. But instead, he said, nevertheless, Father, your will be done. He demonstrated his love to us by dying for us. And he gives this as an example of what we are to do for our fellow believers, especially. He says here in verse 10 that we are to especially uh, do good for those who belong to the household of faith. We are in a unique community of fellow believers. And we are to call to bear one another's burdens, to put our, each other's needs before our own. That's your faith working through love. That is what the Spirit desires to do for you. 
And if you're sitting there going, well, I don't have that right now, I, 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 I hear you. Because we can't make that up in our own self. We can't have that desire. We can't just want it more. It's a fruit of the Spirit as you walk with Him. You want to have love and joy and peace in your life? Don't work on having more love, joy, and peace in your life. Walk in the Spirit. Yield to the Spirit. Let Him produce that fruit in you. Otherwise, you're a legalist like me who wants to grab joy. And as Paul Tripp says it's like going to an apple tree and taking an apple and trying to staple the apple to the tree. Like, here's my fruit because I'm doing it. No, it's through the Spirit of God. It's only as you walk with Him and yield to Him, He produces that fruit in you. And he says here, those who are spiritual, brothers and sisters, if anyone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you are, who are spiritual. So he says, look, there's going to be conflict in the church. Imagine that. There's going to be disagreements. There's going to be people who don't get along with one another or people who are actively sinning and, and outside the will of God. And, and so Paul is calling us, as in other places in Scripture, that we are to, to seek restoration. We are to pursue those people but he says those who are spiritual he says look be careful in this it's those who are walking in the spirit that need to do this because it's real easy for us to be self-righteous and in our own righteousness say well this person isn't living up to my standards so therefore i'm going to let them have it that's what paul's warning us against no those who are spiritual those who are Seeking the Spirit. You seek after those people if, they're, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing. You're to seek after them with a gentle spirit. Watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. He said, examine yourself. Make sure that you're, what you're doing is from a motive of, of love and not of self-righteousness how quick a church can get into this mode. We are to pursue the Spirit. We are to pursue those who are in the wrongdoing, but with a first being led by the Spirit and, and, and restore that person with a gentle spirit. And then we are to always examine ourselves and make sure we're doing it for the right reasons. We turn to Matthew chapter 7. Do I have that on there, honey? Yes, I do. Good. Matthew chapter 7. This is the Lord Jesus talking. And this speaks to what Paul is saying. Examine yourselves as you're confronting another brother or sister. Make sure it's from with the right intentions. Jesus speaks of that here and often we'll encounter people that are outside the 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 church those who reject god altogether or christianity and they say you're not supposed to judge me right that that proclamation of the gospel i just did i said everyone falls short i have made a judgment against not only myself but everybody 
But often the response to someone who says, you're, you're not supposed to judge. You're not my judge. And they'll often, they're referencing this, this passage here, Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says this, Do not judge so that you won't be judged, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you, you use. So as believers, we see the words of Jesus, and we say, man, we've got to be careful about how are we to judge people and others and their intentions. As Jesus has said, look, if you're judging that, that's the same judgment you're going to be judged by, the same measure. And then he says this, why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye? Right, that critical spirit. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Right, what a great picture he's drawing for us. I see that speck. Well, there's a big old beam sticking out of our own eye, right? Or how can you, how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. And look what Jesus calls those that would do that. Hypocrite. First take the beam out of beam of wood out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. And so this passage is often used against the Christians. We're not supposed to judge. But that's not what Jesus is saying. We are supposed to judge in a discerning way. We are supposed to judge in a sense of, of restoration, not condemnation. We aren't supposed to take our own selves and our standards and say, I'm applying those to you and you're falling short of my standards. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Paul is saying in Galatians. That we are to judge. We are to discern. We are to discern truth. God has given us truth and we are to discern using the minds, the critical thinking that he's given us to judge what is true and what is false. What is out of the character of God versus what is in character and in step with the Spirit. He allows for that, but it's a matter of our own hearts as we're doing that. What is our motivation? Is it to condemn or is it to restore? Is it to pursue them for their sake and for God's glory? Or is it to place yourself in a higher position than them? And that's what Jesus is calling us to do. We need to examine our own hearts. The psychology world has this thing called projection. Where we see someone and we can't stand them because they have a lot of the same characters or attributes that we have that we don't like about ourselves. And so we take the inner shame and guilt and stuff and we project that onto that other person and we take it out upon them right that's just the what the human psyche does paul is calling us in galatians and jesus is calling us to examine ourselves why am i so bothered about this is it something in my own life that i need to turn from is something that they're doing something that's really a reflection of me and the thing I hate about myself? Examine yourselves. That's what a hypocrite is, right? Pretending to be something that you're not. What is your heart motivation when you go to pursue someone? When you see someone that is outside the bounds of what God has called for their lives? It's so important that we have the right attitude and right spirit of mind. And the we know that this is the case because if you read on in Matthew 6, 
or Matthew 7, he says this, the next, very next verse. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. How can we know what is a pig and what is a dog if we're not discerning and judging their actions and their attitudes and determining that? So don't let people pick this out of context, right? We are to discern what is true. We are to stand up for what is true. We are to pursue others in the hopes of restoration, not condemnation. But if we do it, we need to be careful that we examine our own selves first. Those who are spiritual, those who are led by the Spirit, restore the brother or sister. All right, moving on. Back to Galatians chapter 6. He says in verse 2, Carry one another's burdens. In this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And so that is the, that's the hard part, right? We see someone, let's just say in the context that we're here today, someone in the church, they, we see them uh, struggling. We see them. God's calling us to not ignore that or pretend like everything's fine and how's the weather. But God's calling us to pursue a deeper relationship with them, to help them to bear that burden with them. You see a brother and sister being burdened down by something in their life. The call to love, our faith working through love, is to come alongside that person and to help them to bear that burden. That is fulfilling the law of Christ. Love others as I have loved you. It makes love not a... A, a feeling that makes love a verb. Action. That's what God's calling us to do. For if anyone, verse 3, considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. He's talking about the self-righteous person. I'm so, doing so much better than Jim Bob over there. Hope no one here is named Jim Bob. Right? It's pride. It's so deceptive. It gives us these lenses that are warping the, our true reality of what's going on in our heart. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work and he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. In my early walk, I struggled with this. I had issues I was dealing with. And in my mind of mind, even though I would never speak it, I'd say, I would say to myself, at least I'm doing better than that person. Well, look at that person. Could be worse. And the call of the Christian is, no. It's between you and the Lord. Quit comparing yourself with other people. Walk with him. Walk in the Spirit. Examine yourself. See the, the, the fruit of the flesh that still exists in your life and allow the Spirit, yield to the Spirit, allow Him to, to produce the fruit He desires as you yield and walk in His strength, in His ministry. We are not to compare ourselves with others for each person will carry his own load. Ultimately, we're responsible for what we do with our life, what God has called us to. In Christ. 
Verse 6, we see here reciprocity. And hopefully everyone has a testimony of someone in their life that God has used in their life to bring, come into their life. To I know Gracie can talk about uh, some pastors over at Christ Community Church who have come into their life and have spoken into her life and have really helped her in her spiritual walk. And, and so she's so grateful for that. And what Paul says here in this next verse is that we are to re, uh, have reciprocity, we are to reciprocate that what they've done. Let the one who has taught, who has taught, let the one who has taught the word, share all his good things with the teacher. It's valuable. Our spiritual walk and someone coming into our life and helping us through something. What Paul is saying, you need to recognize the value in that. You need to reciprocate that love back to that teacher. Spiritually, who knows? But don't take it for granted, he's saying. That was a sovereign, providential thing that someone coming into your life to help you in your walk and help you in your struggle. And so you're to reciprocate that back, to pass it on, to have relationship with someone, so not just to have relationship, um, but that you can just pour into their life and that they can then pour into others. Recognizing the value of someone coming alongside of you. And he says, let the one who's taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. And so this would be a, a verse that we could point to for those that would say ministers aren't supposed to be, why are ministers paid? Well, hopefully... They're pouring into you. They're teaching you the word. And it's a good thing to share, give back. That's what God's called you to do. And I'm not doing it from, look, it can be someone else. That's fine. But that's what scripture says. That's why it's important to give. Because it's not just about a new building or a new renovation project. It's about your heart demonstrating to God your thankfulness and gratefulness for what you receive in the spiritual, in the spiritual game. All right, moving on. You hear verse 7, getting back to the sowing, the reaping and sowing principle, right? Paul's concluding his letter. He's demonstrated to us the fruit of the flesh. He's demonstrated to us the fruit of the Spirit. He says, walk in the spirit and this, this, spirit will, this fruit will happen in your life. And we touched on it last week. Guess what? That fruit doesn't happen right away. I wish it did. I wish there was just a magic wand. Poof. You now have love, joy, and peace for everyone that you encounter. No. You're to sow to the spirit. You have to purpose to live this out. God's given us this amazing gift of the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us. He's also given us the Word of God. It's just the sword of the Spirit. That's the, the thing, the tool that the Spirit of God uses in our lives to cut away the dross. What time is it? Oh, I'm running late. Sorry. I'll close up here. To cut away all the, the junk in our lives, it's the Word of God. It is the sword of the Spirit. And so when we say, read your Bible... It's not about checking off a list, a box. It's so that the Spirit can feed your new heart. He can cut away the flesh, the old junk. He's given us prayer. 
to go before the throne of God at any time. You see in the Old Testament, that wasn't a reality for the Old, for the Old Testament saint. God's presence was cut off from them in the temple, in the veil. Jesus has made a new and living way. We can approach the throne of God anytime we want. The creator that created all this, we can approach his throne in prayer to seek help in the time of need. We have the mediator, our high priest, the Lord Jesus, making mediation for us. He says, come to the Father. I've provided a new and living way. He's given us the church. You're important to me because God can use you in my life to help grow me and conform me into the image of Jesus. Someone in the future in this church might come alongside of me in my struggles because God's given me a gift of a local body of believers as a means to feed my heart, to keep me in check, to have accountability with as we pursue the Spirit and use and take advantage of these tools that God has given us, the fruit will come. It's just not going to be overnight. If it is, then I've missed the boat. I've missed that boat. It's step by step, day by day. And my kids would tell you sometimes it's two steps backwards and one step forward. But the promise remains the same. He desires to demonstrate this fruit in me and I need to sow to the Spirit and in due time the fruit will come. That's what he says here, right? Verse 7, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. You can continue to sow to the flesh, but it's all going to lead to destruction. You ask any alcoholic, any drug addict, any porn addict, where that leads. Destruction. Ultimately, death. The drug addicts always chasing their first high. And they never get it. It's never enough. God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, he will also reap, because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one... The good news, church, the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Sow to the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Take advantage of the tools He's given you to help in that regard. Yield to Him when the fruit of the flesh happens and appears in your life. The wise person would reject it and stop it right then and say, I get, hand it back over to you, Lord. I'm trying to be in control here and you're the one that should be in control, so I'm giving you control back because all I do is mess things up. You sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. And look at this word of encouragement he gives us here in verse 9. Let us not get tired of doing good let us not grow weary in this. Because let's face it, sometimes when you sow, just as a farmer will tell you, you have some bad patches. You have some dry patches. Your, your, uh, your crop isn't what you desired. 
Paul says, keep sowing. Don't get tired. Keep on keeping on. For we will reap in the proper time. That should be in the source of an immense encouragement to us. God, the creator of all things, is your father if you're in Christ Jesus. And he is sovereign and he is in control. And he's not allowed one thing into your life that he doesn't know about. And he's using it for your good. In due time, we will reap if we don't give up. And so Paul concludes, Therefore, because of all this, because of all what God has done in Christ Jesus, what is our call? As we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity, God, to open up your word, to see your goodness demonstrated not only in